0: Porter Loring North Funeral Home just right here on 1604 at Gold Canyon uh, on Monday evening, January the 2nd. That's, a, that's actually a national holiday, um, but we will, gra- we will gather there for a visitation with the family and friends and loved ones of John's. And then the new development is following that, uh, anybody that wants to will be invited to come over here to our space And we will meet on the back patio and uh, smoke some of John's cigars. How about that? Um, And uh, so I'm sure there will be a few stories told at that occasion. um, And then the next morning at 11 a.m., we will meet back at Porter Loring North for a service of remembrance, a funeral service for John Davern. um, And then uh, following that, we will come back over here for lunch and there probably will be more of John's cigars that get smoked at that occasion. Um, so uh, we're not promoting the use of tobacco, ladies and gentlemen. We're just saying John had a lot of cigars in his giant humidor at his house and April is offering those to be um, enjoyed in honor of him. So uh, so yes, we are actually promoting the use of tobacco products. <laughs> just call it what it is. Um, but. Uh those are the details as they as they are here as we know them right now Uh, you will be invited by if you're if you're in our portal our online portal uh, you will be invited by email to bring a side dish or a dessert to that reception on tuesday Um, we will probably order some nice sandwiches uh, it's lunchtime we didn't think like a full sit-down buffet was appropriate we'll just you know let people come and graze um, but uh if you're if you're part of the hope thing we will invite you by email to bring sides and desserts and those kinds of things and also to uh either come early that morning to set up or set up after church that Sunday whatever however that works and then to stick around and help clean up everything that later that day but that's that's the plan as it currently exists um and uh then uh, good news if you hate Christmas, January 8th is the day to be here because you can just tackle the whole Holy Family out there and um, put them back in the garden shed and take the decorations down. Even if you love Christmas, we could use your help. But we will un-Christmas on January the 8th. um, And then, of course, we have another memorial service scheduled in January for a dear uh, member of Hope Church, uh, Susan Dunn will be remembered on Saturday January the 14th at 2 p.m. Yes. Out this week, we'd like to come okay. Okay. Ha- the internet, there a of this yes. And yes. 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 John. John's request was just that all of us remember to lift each other up in prayer over this holiday season, as we remember loved ones that we've lost this year and past years. Um, the holidays sort of bring forth uh, a lot of memories and um, some some grief and pain can come with that. So just keep each other in prayer and reach out to each other just give a call send a text whatever you got to do but uh... let's thank thank you john let's remember yeah, each other no no absolutely not no i i i think it, it's it's actually part of it right it's all it's all part of our collective grief and um you know very uh, very different departures in nature but <laughs> The reality is is the same. We we miss them both, and we grieve, and um, and thank the Lord we have each other. So we're glad you're here. Um, at this time, uh, well, one more thing: we will have a our membership class is called Discover Hope. We'll be starting a new one on Sunday, December the 15th, for those who would like to join, and um, you can just. Sign up. The details are here. Just send an email to our office address and uh, we will get you in the plan for that if you were interested. Um, So, all right. At this time, I would like to have just the important people come down to the front. If you are in fifth grade or younger, you are invited down for our children's chat at this time. Safe. Sarah, welcome home. All right. Piper, I wouldn't either. Smart girl, Piper. Um How are y'all doing today? Good. All right, you look good, you feel good? All right, I'm going to read you something that Jesus said. Who who is Jesus? He's God and how did Jesus come to this earth he was born as a human did he come riding in on a unicorn no. No. no he was born as a baby just like you and I were born as babies even Sarah was a baby at one point look how old she is now all right We're just going to keep going, Um, but I'm going to read you something Jesus said about who he is, and you're going to try to see if you can figure out what it means, all right? You ready? Jesus said, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. What does that mean? If somebody if Jesus said I am the A and the Z, where do you find the A? First. First, and where do you find the Z? At the end. He's the first and last. He's the first and the last. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means he's going to be the only God. he's the one and only God, and how long does his love last? Forever. 2 weeks? Forever. 2 Forever. months? Two years, Forever. two decades, Forever. two centuries, Forever. two millennia, Forever. two epochs, Forever. two geological eras, Forever. longer, two billion years. Longer? Longer. Two trillion years? Two gazillion billion years. Okay, so if I said it it, it lasts forever? Okay, we finally got there. (laughs) Jesus is the beginning and the end, the, the A and the Z, which means his love lasts forever right which makes God's love the biggest thing in the entire universe it's actually bigger than the universe because that's what created the universe boom right mind blown all right God's love lasts forever so when God loves you how long does that last Forever. forever you getting tired of saying forever All right. Well, I think you get it. Can I pray for you guys before you go to Hope for Kids? Dear God, thank you for these precious children. Thank you for the gift that they are to our lives, to our church, to our families. We pray your blessing over them and their teachers as they study more of your word in Hope for Kids this morning. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them to a deeper understanding of how you love them forever. We pray your blessing over them in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll have a great time forever and ever and ever. Is Sarah the helper today? No. <laughs> By force. That's right. Volen dragged. All right. Will you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word this morning? God, our loving Father, we come before you today and we we acknowledge our grief, the heaviness of our hearts in the wake of loss, uh, a variety of losses, um, and we just give you that. We pray for your comfort over the hearts that are grieving. We pray for your peace in our hearts and in this world, and we just pray that those first steps of bringing peace to this world would begin in our hearts, that we would be your agents of love and grace and peace in this world. And Lord, to that end, we open your word now, and we pray that as we do, that you would open our hearts, that you would read there those things that we need to give to you, um, our sins and disappointments, our griefs, and all of the, the weight of life that we could lay those burdens down at the foot of your cross and be free to look up and enjoy your grace. Um, We pray for um, those relationships in our lives that are strained, and we we ask that you would bring peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift before you those whom we know and love who are facing uncertain diagnoses, recovering from medical procedures and uh, we just lift them up to you and pray your healing mercies over them. We lift up John Davern's daughter, Megan, as she battles cancer and we just pray your healing mercies over her body. We thank you for the progress that is being made through her chemotherapy and we just pray your continued healing over her. We lift up Lori Branson in her post-operative recovery We pray that you would control her pain levels and restore her arm uh, to full function and health as soon as possible. We lift to you others that we know and love who are uh, recovering from medical procedures or who are sick or in need of healing, and we just give them to you now. Lord, we lift up uh, our country, our leaders at every level of government elected and appointed, we pray that you would give wisdom and discernment to them in the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform who serve to protect and defend our Constitution and our freedoms as Americans. We pray that you would watch over and protect them. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way. and We ask that you would bring them home safely. Lord, we lift to you those who've returned home from their service to our country changed. And we pray that you would minister your healing to them heart mind body and soul lord that you would use us your church to that end and that all of us would move toward wholeness and peace together in the name of your son jesus christ lord we lift up your church here at hope and around the world we pray that your word would continue to go forth through the mouths of your people and that it would not return to you empty we lift to you those works that we are connected to through our missions giving and our denomination. We pray for Paul and Elizabeth Branch in Guatemala and John and Diane Davis on the Texas border in Laredo. We lift up uh, Pastor Miguel and Tatiana in our sister church in Camajuanee, Cuba. We lift, uh, lift up Pastor Pachi and his wife Marilyn in Havana, Cuba. We lift up Robbie and Joyce Hammed and their ongoing work in Beirut, Lebanon, and we lift to you Monica and Benjamin Bailey in the Middle East who are serving you uh, in some really difficult circumstances. We just pray that you would bear fruit in their midst and bless them and their work in all of those places and others where your people are doing good. And we um, lift up the church plants that we are connected to here in Texas in in Katy, as they try to figure out how to close down. Uh, in New Braunfels, as they figure out how to survive. In Austin and in Dallas, as they figure out how to start up. And we just pray your blessing over all these young works. Um, help us to be a part of what you're doing in those places. We pray that you would be with us now as we open your words, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So many of you are way too familiar with grief, um, and I just want to talk about that uh, reality for just a moment. Um, you know, grief is a really uh, slippery animal. And it has a, a, a variety of little tentacles that can grab us. Um, you know, the first of those is usually called shock. Just what? How is this possible? And and this week was just a powerful example of that. One of the strongest men I've ever met um, went to be with Christ. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Um, but the the just the the sheer shock of that is is where it sort of begins then there's a stage that psychologists call denial where I came in here i was I was able to be kathy and i were in, and a couple others of you were able to be uh with April that night uh and sort of uh just be present when John was transported out and uh just. I came here the next day and I'm just like, wait, he should be standing there. Like, that's my guy, that's my man, that's my my rock. Um, and uh, I can't tell you how many people that I've spoken with who've said almost exactly the same thing. I, I felt safe when John was at that door. Um, and so there's the shock, there's the denial um, for many of us. Uh, anger is a part of grief, um, and that's probably one of, the, one of the weirdest aspects of grief. When, when we're grieving, um, it doesn't seem to matter that the person we're angry with doesn't deserve that anger. That anger is a function of our grief, and we'll take it out on anybody that's dumb enough to walk in our path. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes there are, there are good reasons to be angry, in in the wake of grief and other times we're just angry because we're grieving um and then uh just the the sadness the weight of sadness that comes with grief is another one of those those tentacles that can be hard to uh extricate ourselves from just just you know many of you've asked me how you doing i'm like i'm sad i'm just really sad um so, then, ultimately, um, the, the healthy movement of all of those stages leads us to a place of acceptance, and I don't mean by that that it's, that it's somehow okay, I just mean that we learn to accept the fact that someone's gone, that we've suffered a loss, that, that this is real, and... Um, that there are still things that, that God wants for us, and there are still people that God has surrounded us with that are of value and benefit to us in our grief and beyond our grief. And um, I think one of the things that helps me in the face of grief is, is turning to things that are not transient, that are not subject to dying, that are eternal. And so we're going to turn our hearts to God's word this morning. And, you know, I don't know how to say this any other way. Like the subject matter that was before us. So I sit down with, with different people and try to brainstorm sermon series ideas. This is one of my weird little quirks in life. I actually think about, you know, what we're going to be doing content-wise months in advance. We lay it out, and we had on the schedule this morning um, the name of Jesus, that he is the great I am, and how just unbelievably fitting is that for today, for this week, for what, where we are, regardless of, of, of whom we are grieving um, this is what we need to turn to something that is fixed and eternal and true and right and good and unchanging. And so I just invite each of our hearts into these ancient words as we reflect on the person and nature of Jesus in our grief and sadness, um, that there will be something here that, that instills strength in each of you, that brings comfort to your heart and so uh, we've been looking at the names of Jesus this, this season leading up to Christmas. And we've looked at the, w- at the name of Jesus that means God saves. We've looked at the name Christ, which means the Messiah or the, the anointed one. Um, and today we've, we're coming to um, this idea that, that Jesus is the great I am, the self-existent eternal God and so to begin that journey we're going to just so in some of our other messages in this series we've started with the first chapter of other gospels and looked at how the authors introduced Jesus Christ by name and today we're going to look at the gospel of John first and look at how the author of the Gospel of John introduces the person of Jesus Christ. And he he uses a different set of names. And we're going to look at why John says that. But as we do that, I just want to point out that when John wrote his Gospel, he had already read the other three Gospels. The other three Gospels were written sort of... Uh, at the same time-ish, not exactly the same time, but within within a, a, a shot of each other. And John lived to, to a ripe old age, probably into his 90s, into his and he writes his gospel later in life, fully aware of the other three gospels and their content. And so his gospel is very different. It's a, it's a different set of content, and it's a different purpose, and it's a different beginning. So instead of beginning with, Um, the the nativity birth story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus he's like that's already recorded let me show you what's going on cosmically behind the scenes in this bigger grander eternal picture John reaches past Bethlehem into eternity itself and grabs a hold of who Jesus is and kind of pulls him down to our ability to understand and so He's going to use a word in this passage that's translated as word, and it is the Greek word logos. I don't normally give you um, Greek and Hebrew words in my messages, but you've actually heard this word. So biologos, biology, the logi, um, theologos, theology. Uh, give me another ology, zoology, geology. So the ology, the logi, the logi or logos, is, the, uh, is sort of the essence of that thing. So if you're looking at the essence of life, as a scientist, you're looking you're, it's called biology. Kay? If you're looking at uh, the essence of the earth and its minerals and its crust, you're talking about geology, geology, um, the, the central essence of something. And when John uses the word that we translate word, he's using a very charged term that actually was used by Plato and Aristotle and Socrates and Parmenides and other Greek philosophers to speak of this central core essence of existence, this eternal essence of everything. That is what the Greeks would have called the logos. And John, as I said, is writing a little bit later and into a, a little more sophisticated context than 1st century Palestine. He's, he's writing into late 1st century the Greco-Roman world and worldview, and when he grabs this word logos, it is a very strong word. He's making the greatest existential claim that has ever been put on paper, and I'm not, I'm not overselling that. He is making the strongest claim that has ever been put on paper about a human being, and, about, and that is about Jesus Christ. And so we're going to read what John has to say as he introduces the person of Jesus, as he looks past Bethlehem to that eternal truth of who Jesus is. Chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 5. In, begin, in the beginning was the word, and the word was What John wants for us in reading this is is to find the eternal essence of all things. That's what he's calling out in his introduction of the person of Jesus. That in him we find the eternal essence of all things. This word, this logos of which John speaks is God. God. Um, we as John desires for us we are to turn to our eternal creator that is the call in this introduction for us John establishes through what he's saying that this eternal word is God and simultaneously is with God this is logically impossible right um and there are there are some groups who might say knock on your door and they will try to tell you that that this passage is a god that it sa- it should be read in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was a god and they will tell you greek has no indefinite article the word a and therefore it should be there in english and that is actually one possible rendering of the text, and we'll see why when we read uh, verses 14 through 18 in a moment. We'll see why that's not uh, tenable. It doesn't hold up to the scrutiny of logic in reading these words, but it is one viewpoint that has been set forward throughout the history of, of Christianity in the West. And <coughs> But for now, let's just stop and realize that at the same time, this logos is with God, and it is God. The only way that we can make sense out of this as Christians is to talk about the Trinity, the one, the one true God that has within its oneness three persons that eternally relate to each other uh, in love. And so that's the beautiful thing about the doctrine of the Trinity, is that love, therefore, is eternal. It doesn't need us. It wants us. The, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit relate to one another in love eternally. And from that heart of love, they chose to create. And that voice of creation, we are told here, came through God the Son. We'll see more of this in a moment. Um, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We find life. In this eternal word, the call is to come into the presence of our eternal creator, the God who eternally is God and is with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this oneness that r- is still able to relate to each other as persons. This word is God and this word is with God. We are to see in this text the light. Of God's love that father son and Holy Spirit exist in eternal an eternal state of love and this is what compels creation and everything that flows forth from the heart of God this is the light of God's love in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it We are to see the light of God's love and we are to find strength in his victory over darkness. How much light does it take to overcome darkness? Not much. Just just a beam, right? Um, If you've ever been uh, inside a cave, and they turn off all the lights. how dark is that? Very dark. Very dark, sorry, Julie, dragging up bad childhood memories or good good childhood memories. You never went in the cave. you want to go okay I've seen you in there, covered in clay. Um, it's dark, like you can't see your hand in front of your face, kind of dark, and then. All it takes is one, one teenager with a flashlight to ruin the darkness, <laughs> right? And uh, that's the way light works. Darkness is overwhelming. It's all-encompassing, and it just takes a little point of light to break through. And this is what John is telling us about Jesus, that he is the one who brings light into darkness. Um, So, I first met, I first met John Davern uh, on a, well, I met him in a cigar store. Let's just be clear. And, And then we were going on a, a trip to tour a cigar factory in Nicaragua and Keith Rumbo had invited John and he invited me. And so John and I really didn't know each other. We'd been in the same room a few times. We had met, um, but John didn't know what I did for a living. And (coughs) John was excited to go to Nicaragua and just kind of party his lights out. um, And I wish you could have seen the look on his face when Keith Rumbo told him, hey, this is Tom Masterson. You'll be rooming with Tom. Tom is my pastor. And John's just like, dude. <laughs> um, and then I knew we were going to be best friends when we're, we're uh, this is really totally not okay for church, but here we go. It's Hope Church. I'm your terrible pastor, so here we go. So I knew that we would be fast friends when we're walking by the liquor store inside the Nicaragua, the Managua airport. And the host of the trip had told us, like, when we get to the hotel, you have to bring your own alcohol if you want anything to drink. And so John and I literally bump heads as our hands reach for the last bottle of bourbon in the Managua airport. We we literally at the same time, boom, we look at each other and he kind of smiles and he's like, I think we are going to get along. <laughs> and then he literally pushed me out of the way and grabbed the <laughs> bottle. So. I you can't fight with that guy uh, <coughs> but I, I think about I think about so on that trip we were we were there we were sharing a hotel room separate beds great deal um, and uh, I was very relieved to see that um, <coughs> and uh, happened to, to coincide with one of the dates on John's calendar where he lost uh, fellow soldiers in combat, and it was just a bad day. It's a date that he would rather forget, and here we were in the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, as he's as he's really struggling to deal with that darkness that that comes with that grief, with that pain, with that uh, the PTSD and the whole nine yards, right? And uh, there were there were some some funny interactions as I tried to figure out, like, how to help and, you know, just don't touch me. It's like, okay, all right, I won't touch you, no problem. Um, But I, I think about, I think about the ways in which God used you to just shine a little bit of light into that darkness. How God worked through many of you to, to shine a little bit of light into John's heart and the heart of others. How ministries like Reboot that took place here this past fall um, were able to shine God's light into John's heart and really sort of bring that, that clarity of, of God's love to bear on who he is. Um, that's the way light works. It, it shines through you. As you just sit down next to someone, as you share life and you learn how to love um, and this this light, the light of God, darkness cannot overcome it. We are called into that light to move toward that light, to step into the light of God's love, and to know that nothing can prevail against who God is. He is the eternal essence of all things. And John moves on in chapter 1, later in chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 14 through 18. And just let these words sort of settle in in your soul. And the word became flesh. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. And that sentence in verse 18 is the answer to the question of whether there's an indefinite article in front of the word God in verse 18. One, it's a definite article. That's the word, the, is what belongs there. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Again, this is the greatest statement that has ever been written about a person, a human being, someone who was of our flesh, and John says we can know the eternal essence of all things. We can find him by following his light. We can know him by, become, by coming into relationship with him. This eternal essence of all things became flesh, became human. The word became human. This is John's message. He became human to reveal God's glory to us, And to grant us access to eternity. So the eternal essence of all things was born (laughs) in poverty as a human, laid in rags, wrapped in rags and laid in a spit-covered feeding trough, to be perfectly clear. This was this was no royal birth. This was the birth of humility and humanity. And most human beings throughout history were born this way. Um, And Jesus comes as the eternal essence of all things into this world as a baby born in the common way. The Word became human. He revealed God's glory to us. He grants us access to eternity. And this Word... This eternal essence of all things became human to bring us grace, to bring to the heart of mankind forgiveness and love eternal, to literally transform our relationship to God. If you if you think about the way that the first century Jewish mindset related to God it was very legalistic it was very much of you got to do this here here's when here's where here's how you got to follow all these rules the laws of Moses you've got to do this right if you want to be in right relationship with God and of course all of those regulations were put there as as pointers to something that, lie, that lies beyond. They were all supposed to just indicate that one would come who would fulfill the law, who would lay to rest the burden of our needing to, fu- to um, fully and perfectly obey. And this eternal essence of all things became human and never sinned, he didn't do humanity the way we do. He was never selfish. He was never uh, sinful. And so he laid down his life as a sacrifice for our forgiveness. That through him, we can be restored to God. He perfectly fulfilled the law of God. And so when we accept him as our Savior, we can rest God still wants us to be obedient, but not out of the fear of failure, out of the joy of forgiveness. We are forgiven. God loves you, and he is calling you into relationship with him on the basis of grace, not the law. You are free. You are forgiven. You are are eternally loved. This is the eternal essence of all things, become human. This word brought us grace to transform our relationship to God and to reveal the very heart of God. That is love. And so here we are. In our grief, in our humanity, in the chaos of this world, Here we are, and here he is with us. I'm going to read to you um, part of a conversation that Jesus is having with a group of Jewish people uh, that is recorded by John later in his gospel in chapter 8. And you're going to hear Jesus take a hold of this existential claim that John made in chapter 1. So he's talking with a group of Jewish leaders and he says, Jesus says, your father Abraham, this is John 8, 56 through 59, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly Truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. You can see by the reaction of those people in that conversation that by anyone else, what Jesus said would, would count as blasphemy. He literally is not just claiming to be a God, he is claiming to be the one true God. And there is there in in that claim such power, such truth, such grace. And so just so in case you're not, uh, you know, you haven't been reading through the book of Exodus this past week, I'm just going to reach back and grab the passage where God reveals himself to Moses as the great I am. So Moses is standing in front of a burning bush. He's taken off his sandals. There's this bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And Moses is bewildered, and he steps up to it. it, The voice tells him to take off his shoes because he's on holy ground. He does so, and the conversation ensues. And essentially, God is saying to Moses, go. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I don't think that's a great idea. And so Moses begins n- negotiating with God. And in part of that negotiation you're about to read, here's what we find in Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. So when Jesus says in John fifty eight fifty eight Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Whoa. Those, my friends, are strong words. Those are a claim by a person who knew why he was on this earth, what he had come to do, who he was, and what work was before him. We have this uh, quote from Jesus at the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 13, where he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then Revelation 22, 16, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David the bright morning star. and We'll talk about what that means in just a minute. But I want to, the last passage I want to read is John 7, 37 through 39. It says, On the last day of the feast, this is Jesus uh, who's about to talk. Uh, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The scriptures are calling each one of us not just to find the eternal essence of all things and not just to know The eternal essence of all things, but to come to the eternal essence of all things, to come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, to come to the great I am, the one who always has been, is now, and always will be. This is the transcendent truth that we need, brothers and sisters. That God always has been, that he is now with us, and that he always will be. That this immovable rock of a being is ours in Jesus Christ. That his love never fades, his presence abides. This great I am who fulfilled God's word, all of it, and established hope. So that passage in Revelation twenty two sixteen, 16, where he says, I am the root and descendant of David. So if he's the root of David, he pre-exists David. He pushes David into existence. If he's the descendant of David, he's fully human. He is the one who fulfills all of the prophecy of the scriptures as to who God would send to reckon with sin, with our sin, and to bring us into right relationship with God. He fulfills all of that. And at the same time, he is the bright morning star. Here's what that means. If you've ever been up, I used to be a duck hunter when I was younger, and we would get up at ridiculous hours of the day, and it's about the only thing that'll get me out of bed at four in the morning, but, uh, you know, that's not important right now. Um, but you get out there, you get all your stuff set up, and you got to sit there under the stars for a little while before the sun begins to rise. And if you're there at the right time on the right day, either Mercury or Venus will crest over the horizon, and it's the brightest light in the sky for a little while, unless you're hunting under a full moon, which I don't recommend. Um, But that light, what does it tell you? Day is coming. Light is on the way. The brightness, the warmth is coming. Because usually if you're doing it right, you're sitting in a dea- in a duck blind just freezing, literally shivering, wishing you were somewhere else. And then you see that morning star and you know that there's hope. There's light. There's warmth. And it's just around the corner. That's the symbol that Jesus uses of himself in that verse in Revelation twenty two sixteen, that he is the bright morning star, the breaking forth of light and hope into this world, to this dark and sometimes hurting world. He is the one who fulfilled the word and who brings eternal hope. We are to come to the great I am we are to come to the water of life. Jesus talks about himself as a river, a river of life. When we drink from that river, we drink in his grace. We are restored. We are renewed. We are made whole or more whole. We are taking another step toward wholeness. We drink in his grace And we let his spirit flow. There was a releasing of the spirit after Jesus' death and resurrection. It was what he had to do in order to secure our hope. And then as he ascended to the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, he released his spirit upon the church to empower us to do what would otherwise be impossible to look up to see the light of hope to extend his grace to people that we don't want to forgive to learn what it means to love to persevere to be a child of God who has eternal hope eternal life, eternal purpose, and an eternal place. You are part of an eternal family. Our only comfort in our losses is knowing that we are part of an eternal family, that God's love never ends. It is greater than the darkness that we feel. And there will be a bursting forth of light and eternal hope in each of our hearts. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we thank you for the gift of sharing life with those whom we have loved. And we thank you that your love is eternal. That not only is there something beyond this life, but that something is glorious and beautiful and true and right and good. And we long for it. And yet, you have called us to be those who bring that light, that love, that goodness into the here and now. So we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we might be your hands and feet in this dark and hurting world to shine that light of hope into the hearts of those around us. Lord, lift our heads from our grief and anchor our souls in the love of the great I am. It is in his name we pray. Amen.